Hello, hello and welcome everyone. So today we're back for another episode of a career and spirituality conversation. And today I have my dear colleague, Sebastian, Chief Mindsetter Sebastian. <laughs> I like to call him a CMO, Chief Mindsetting Officer. And uh, Sebastian Kölner is um, uh, specialized in uh, supporting primarily coaches and, and entrepreneurs in getting their mindset straight to succeed. But nevertheless, everything that Sebastian is going to share also applies to anyone in their personal life and career life, whether you're in a job or, or self-employed, it doesn't matter. So there, there's going to be something for everyone. So don't feel, you know, don't feel excluded. Everyone is welcome in this conversation. And so Sebastian, uh, as usual, I like to always to ask uh, what, um, what, it, what spirituality means to you. And then how did you get to where you are today? How does one become a chief mindsetter? <laughs> and and so throughout this, throughout this, like you know, tell us about your story, basically. All right. Well, thank you for having me. Um, maybe I'll start uh, picking up what you just said. Right. On the one hand, I firmly believe that whether you're working for someone else or you're working in your own business, we never have really a business problem. We usually have a personal problem that shows up in the business. Right. And so that is why I think that what I do really, I mean, I find that I like to work with a certain kind of people. Right? Yes, I also do executive coaching on the side, if you will. So it does transfer very well. Tongue in cheek, I say I help my clients cheat, lie and steal back their own mind. Right. So that um, that explains the pirate guard. Right. Because pirates are all about stealing and all of that. And, um, you know, in school, you were never supposed to copy. Yeah. Well, in your professional life, you learn to call it best practice and then you're good. Right. So <laughs> and give credit where credit is due. Now, what, what all of this leads to is what spirituality. Hmm, I think for me personally, it's about that question of what is there beyond this physical body right i mean spirit right what holds all of this together but also i think it's a sense of connection connection to truly myself connection to others connection to the world at large and my own journey to that i don't even want to call it definition but to that concept of spirituality i think was mainly driven by what am i here to do what's my purpose right what what makes this whole experience meaningful um i didn't know it at the time but i actually also experienced my own dark night of the soul if you will which i guess is a spiritual concept but i only learned about it after and that was when um my marriage failed and the mother of my children told me she was done and i found myself literally on my hands and knees with a pain in my chest, not knowing how I would get back up. And it was in that moment, it's still hard for me to really put words to it, that I, well, on the one hand, something broke. And on the other hand, it was like something more like shattered. And I realized that, well, if I wanted to keep going, the only chance I had was to let go of all kinds of preconceived notions, let go of all kinds of 
things that I was trying to control and hold on to and just, well, let go, surrender. And a few hours after that, really, really low point and moment, I decided to go play beach volleyball because that was the day of the week and that was on anyway. And that's when I had this, all of a sudden everything, I don't know, was further away and closer at the same time. I was laughing and at ease and I had this sense of really, yeah, being connected even to the trees and the sunshine and everything around it. And, and to me, that's what really honed that, that idea of that connectiveness, right? That sense of what is larger than myself, yeah. right? How do you find meaning? I think the answer varies for everyone. And for me, it's a very individual, personal thing. Yeah. But that's the big questions, right? Who am I? What am I here for? What's the point, if you will, right, of that suffering, of the pain, of the experience? It's just as well as joy. And so that goes to the question of what's spirituality for me. And the way I connect to that, even professionally, is that, you know, my kids say, oh, daddy, you have to go to work. And I always tell them, no, I don't have to go to work. I get to. Mm -hmm. Right? With, with what I do today, I feel like I have found my passion. I have found my purpose. Um, you know, at the end, at the end of a long day of coaching, am I physically tired sometimes? Yeah, I work at a stand-up desk. I, you know, it's it's all that. But at the end of a empowering coaching session, I got as much energy back out of it as I gave in, if not if if not more. Mm. And um, how I got to do this kind of passion work for a living, which I consider myself blessed, lucky, happy, whatever you want to call it, right, to be in that position, was that. And somewhere over the last 10 years, I had started this journey of realizing that somehow I felt disconnected. Somehow I was always searching for something and I couldn't have put my finger on it. And the other thing important to know is if you'd met me in my late teens or early 20s, I would have said, I don't have emotions. If I set a goal, I'll go for it. I don't have emotions. So I'll just get in the way. I just get stuff done. Pardon my French. And I still, to this day, don't know what got me to a guided meditation by Marissa Peer. But at the end of it, the guy who didn't have emotions, I was on my living room floor crying, just sobbing uncontrollably. It had triggered something in me. It had put me in touch with memories from when I was a year old, a year and a half old. My mom hadn't abandoned me, but she was in a bad depression. And here I was in this dark hole all alone. And this is from a time I didn't have words for it. I could have never talked about it either in therapy or anything else I did. And all those emotions washed back up. And I realized that everything I had done up to that point was in order to prove that I am worth it, right? Was in order to prove that I belong here, that I deserve love. Yeah. It's what shaped my relationships. It what it's what drove me to achieve. And it was in the minutes after that, when I went to the bathroom and cleaned up my face, that two things happened. One, I looked in the mirror and I, for the first time, actually didn't look at like that familiar stranger's face that I was shaving every day, but actually recognized myself as, wow, that's me wow. in a weird sense of a way. Mm -hmm. And the second thing I realized was, wow, that's powerful. And I want to do that for other people. And that's what started my journey to learn rapid transformation of therapy. Even though I didn't want to be a therapist, I wanted it as a tool in my toolbox as a coach. Took me to positive intelligence, took me to you know, all kinds of things that 
we coaches have a bit of an addiction to growth, to learning. You probably share that <laughs> passion, Julie. And uh, that me to, you know, actually look at from this question of, well, how did I numb myself? How did I keep myself right in this place for so long? To the question of, I'm not the only one who ticked all the boxes, who has a fancy house, a car, the job, and all of that, and feels miserable inside. So what's up with that? What does it take to be happy? And the answer I found is you get to find your own answer. And what really helps along the way is when you can take charge of all those voices in your head, right? All those, for some, it's more that it's your inner critic. For others, it's more that you're trying to please others. Some of us have more of an avoider. Some of us have more of the Mr. Perfect that drove me, right? Do it right or don't do it at all. But we all have learned patterns of behavior that we bring to trying to protect ourselves from hurt, from harm. And when you can recognize those and make an intentional choice about them, on the other side of that is a level of freedom that allows you to actually create the impact, the income yeah. that you want. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like you're saying that you had you had been going along with a facade that suddenly you were able to remove. Do you mind me asking when you had that experience with that meditation? Um, was it bef before or after you uh, you had your other experience of oh no that was before. That was several, several years before that. Okay. Okay. So like your like career shift happened first. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and what were the signs that uh, people may recognize mm -hmm. that, you know, you might not have been able to put your finger on it then, but that in hindsight, you knew that, oh, this and this and this. There were my red flags. Well, I think I would preface this with something really important. If you're somebody who gets stuff done, if you're an achiever, if you're a leader, right, then we have a tendency to keep working on something, right? We, we have a tendency to make things better. It's what, it's what got us here. Yeah. Um, that tendency also has a dark side, and that is it can, it can get to be about proving that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think the main simple real test is do you feel energized by what you do? Now, what that is, whether you describe that as happy, whether, whether you describe that as passionate, or, you know, I'll leave that up to you. Yeah. But if, if you had to even think about that question, make that a no. Yeah. Right. If you have to actually think about that, then it's a no. And if it's a no, then I think that the, the follow-up question really could be, okay, is that because, you know, I don't know, right now it's sort of a phase and, and you know, I've taken on things that don't really excite me. I just need, want to shift my priorities back to what really energizes me, right? Or is it a no because it's sort of building and, and something is just off and that, I mean, one of my earliest bosses and mentors always said, you know, if you have a job where you love 60% of it, you're good. But there's always 40% where 
roughly give or take, you know, whether that's meetings or other stuff that you don't like. A 60-40 is a good ratio to strive for, right? And even now in running a business, there are things that I do because they're part of building a business, right? Um, but if that ratio is off and you can't really shift it, then I would say it's time to take a look at, you know, one of one of three things, right? Either you leave it, which could mean you accept it and make a conscious choice to stay there, or you leave it and say you're actually exiting it, right? Or you find that you actually love it and then you're good. Mm -hmm. And in between those two things is, or you say there's certain things that you want to change it, right? Love it, change it, leave it. Yeah. So... And I think people often misinterpret the leave it as then you have to go and find a new job. No, I think there's an alternative, especially since we're having a spiritual conversation. The alternative is to say, I accept it and actually embrace it and look at what can I learn from it? What does it invite me to grow? Mm, yeah, so so there's, there's, another, there's another way of, of leaving yeah. it, right? Now, having said that, Here's the caveat, though, and I think that's a very difficult one to discern for anyone of their own, and that is we're hardwired to favor the status quo. No matter how miserable we are, no matter how terrible the situation is, take your relationship. Why do people stay for too long in a relationship, myself included? Because we're hardwired to favor the status quo. Why do you stay in a career longer or in a certain position longer than because of that. Add to that, that a career usually comes with a certain carrot, right, of comfortable misery, paycheck, things like that, okay? But to our mind, it's, it's very simple. It's still the old survival part of our brain that says, well, I have one job and one job only, and that is to keep you alive. Yeah. And what's, what about the status quo? Well, I don't care how, how much it sucks, but if it didn't kill us yesterday and it didn't kill us last week and it didn't kill, right? Yeah. Chances are it ain't killing us today and it won't kill us tomorrow. So let's stay here. This is safe. Yeah. Right. And so even if your process, if, even if a part of you already knows something is off, the question isn't really, well, you, you're going to probably ask yourself, well, what would I do? Or where would I go? Right. All those how-to questions. Yeah. But until you address the underlying question of, okay, what am I really afraid of? What are the doubts and the fears I have related to getting a new job or starting over or any one of those? You're not going to take any action because right, you're, you're basically triggering the survival part of your brain. And that's, oh, let's play the safe. And we're just going to stay in the status quo. No judgment here. But if you have a sense that you want to change something, setting a goal and just going to do it is what people will advise you to do. And it sounds sensical. Yep. In my experience, working with individuals on in a broad variety of professions, businesses, and leadership positions, even when you know what would take you to the next level, until you address the underlying doubt and fear, chances are you're not going to act on it. Yeah. yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, in what you said earlier, you know, you mentioned like as um, an important thing to be aware of is are we drained or are we energized? Mm -hmm. And I love how you have different options. It's like either we love it or like we can change it or, you know, or we need to go. Mm -hmm. uh, and in a situation where it's not, it's mostly no, 
like what you described, it can also, while, while the person is still in that particular occupation, to paying extra attention to which of which elements, because there's always gonna be, even if it's not good, there's always gonna be some parts of the job where, oh, this little part gives me more energy than the rest. Mm -hmm. And like to make note of all of the aspects that are actually giving a little bit of, a, uh, of energy, I'm thinking from the soul work I'm, I'm doing, it's like what I realized is like, we are focused on the what, but there is always a like an intrinsic way that we're designed to operate. So let's say someone who's been like in a um, some technical, you know, engineering or something very uh, crushing numbers all day and is sick of it. Well, maybe actually depending on whether they're doing it on their own or they're doing it in a team, maybe when they're doing it in a team, they're so much happier. So maybe it's a sign that like, you know, their nature is, you know, being a people oriented person. So maybe the trick is that they don't necessarily have to ditch the, throw the baby out with the bathwater and find a totally different career. Maybe it's just about knowing that, okay, they function better with more people around. So they can keep doing the same thing, but maybe they're going to say, they're going to accept different condition of working. So that's, I love that you made, you know, you made, you pinpoint that. Um, and, and then, um, yes, moving on to the fears and like the, I love how you're describing like what's under, what's happening underneath is like lowering the waterline mm -hmm. It's like looking at what's, uh, <laughs> what's underneath there that we can see. So I'm curious, what are the main, um, cause you're doing both, you're doing like coaching for coaches, but you're also doing, uh, you're also coaching executives and people in employment. So in your experience, what type of blocks and fears do you see that keeps people moving forward in both categories? Is it similar? Is it different? What's, uh, what's going on there? Well, in, in a way, there is something that is similar and just you know um in in that what i described with the voices before i like to use this model of that the internal board of directors yeah okay? mm -hmm. we all have a strong inner critic and judge okay which is essentially the sentinel that's constantly looking for right what's 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 working what's not working and we have a tendency to judge others we have a tendency to judge circumstances and you recognize this one often only in a subtle way, but it's this, I will be happy when, right? Or I would be if, right? And, and, and any one of those things is really judging the circumstances where I'm at right now is not good enough, right? And, and setting a signpost. The thing about that signpost is, you've probably experienced this, the closer you get to it, the more your mind moves the marker, right? You can't ever really oh, yeah. reach it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never. And here's one other thing. No matter how confident someone is on the outside, trust me on this, on the inside, they all have that inner critic. And no matter how critical someone is towards others, they always have the harshest criticism reserved for themselves. They just don't often share it, right, with others. And so that's a common denominator. 
The other one is that depending on what is your main sort of driving pattern here, let's take an example. If you're a high achiever, right? If you define yourself over success, if you're used to getting stuff done, what is the flip side of that when it's taken to a sort of dysfunctional extreme? Then I won't start something new because I might fail. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm good at what I do. And, and this is a part of right, how I get things done. But now starting something new gets uncomfortable because we might fail. Take the example of the person that you had who is very good with detail right, and numbers and things like that. When they get pressured and uncomfortable, chances are that turns into a bit of a, shall we say, controlling approach to things, right? Or, a, or an overly rational approach where they say, well, numbers I can deal with, right? They're one or two, they're right or wrong, right? All this feeling and touchy stuff, I don't deal well with. So you can observe it in other, in other people. Yeah. And what can you do with that? Well, one, I'd love to share, it's not actually mine, but a quick, um, in, if, if that's of interest, like a, that saboteur test. Because often I find with my clients, before we even do the deep work, if you just are aware of what are your top two or three patterns, right? Um, you can recognize it. And when you can recognize it, then you can actually catch yourself and disrupt the pattern. Yeah. Okay. So what you're saying is like, there is like, like, it's not that the blocks are going to be different, whether like, you know, we are self-employed or in a job It's like, as a human, we all have the same. Yeah. Sabotaging. There in in a way you can do that with yeah i, I think you can um and, and shazad over shazad chemino and stanford they've done the factor analysis and they've brought it down to like a three by three matrix and yeah. you can you can find that there and you might also find that you have slightly different patterns in your professional life from your personal life okay okay but what's the only real difference between a career and sort of being a coach or um running your own business the only difference there is where your paycheck comes from mm -hmm. right i mean essentially what is all of that about is solving problems for other people mm -hmm. right and what changes a bit is how you get paid for it. Mm -hmm. but other than that i i wouldn't say that there's necessarily something that makes it a particular problem for you know one category or the other with maybe one exception and that is especially entrepreneurs running their own companies are more in, in this position where if you're in a career, you only get to rather late in your career if you really climb the corporate ladder. But the higher up you get, I think the more intentional you get to be about surrounding yourself with people that you can be vulnerable and open with mm -hmm. and who will be honest and open with you. Mm -hmm. Right, because stereotypically in a lot of corporate culture, mm -hmm. there's a hierarchy and a hierarchy suggests certain ways of dealing with each other. Mm -hmm. okay? Some companies are working against that and working for changing that. Mm -hmm. So that's where, where difference is. But in, in personal things, let me share, maybe I'll share a story of, of a client about sort of some of those, how stories can get in the way of what we do. And yes, that is a coach. And at the same time, I think a lot of us can relate. Okay. Um, let's do let's do this one. 
I worked with a coach who had built a seven-figure business before, a, a different kind of business, okay? And she then switched into coaching, okay? Now, at the time of the decision, you know, there was all of this, okay, I did this year starting over that went into it, sure. But here's the thing. At the height of her previous business, her husband ended their relationship claiming she cared more about the business than about their relationship, okay? Three weeks after that, her mom suffered a stroke and passed away. At the time when we started working, five years later, she had made the switch to building a coaching business, but her husband was still suing her for every cent of that business. And here she was, had built up her coaching business to you know, a, a decent amount, but couldn't get past a certain threshold right around the 10K mark, which for coaches is a significant kind of right breaking point in the business. And she just couldn't figure out why. Now, her excuse could not be that she didn't know how because she had done it before, right? So here, why I'm picking this is usually we go to, I don't know how, so I need to learn how to do marketing, legion and all this, but it's like, no, I've done all that before, right? So it must be something else. And when we dove deep into, okay, so what's going on, explore the stories. When she reflected on those very emotional experiences a few years back, she realized that she had formed a belief, a story deep inside that said, if I'm successful financially, it will hurt my relationships. Yeah. And with a story like that, despite all her business know-how, she wasn't doing what she knew to make a business now. Yeah. And that's the power of story. Having realized that and, you know, very emotionally released it and healed that story and replaced it with a new one in the work we did, well, it almost instantly went to, okay, now I know what to do, right? Yeah. Move on. And whether that shows up in a relationship because it's about, you know, who earns more in the relationship, whether that shows up in a story that is, Maybe also relatable, when I started out my business, I had the aspiration to be a loving father and present and to build my business. But I really didn't do either quite well because when I was working on my business, I was always trying to, you know, yeah. get back to my kids. But when I was with my kids, I was worried about the business. And so I was turning in circles and not doing either of it right. Until my coach at the time looked at me and said, well, it sounds like, you say you either can be successful in your business or right, you can be the father you want to be. I'm like, yeah, that's what it feels like. It's like, well, how can you do both? Yeah. And everything shifted, right? Yeah. And it's those stories. It's those beliefs about how the world works. Those judgments about ourselves not being good enough as either you know, in your role or as a husband or as a father that are how we see the world yeah. that create our reality and those determine how we feel about what's going on yeah. and how we feel about what's going on determines what actions we take or don't take. Yeah. And then, and only then do you get to the results that you're getting. Get you. Yeah. And like, I love the stories, the two stories you just told because the, these blocks, these like it's they're counterintuitive. I mean, like uh, they're 
they're going against the obvious. Like, of course, I want to make more than 10,000 in my business. Like, of course, I want to be an amazing father and successful at my business at the same time. And, and that's where like it takes sometimes the eye and that's maybe like an um, important to have someone by your side that that can't that have an outside eye on what's going on for us to so that we can bounce off what's uh, what's happening because it's it's so obvious like it's so it's so obvious and yet it's in, indetectable in a way for ourselves yeah that's the concept of the blind spot right um i'm gonna put a little plug in here for coaches and, and mentors i mean you can you know you can pay someone to be your coach you can find a mentor it's for some people, it works in really good friendships, but quite often those relationships have other constraints around them. Yeah. But when you look at top performers, whether that's in sports or in business, mm -hmm. they usually have more even than just one coach. Why? Because do you need a coach? No, eventually you can figure all this out by yourself if you really put in the time and effort. But if you want to go deeper, faster, then you might consider having someone in your corner who can do what you just said, right? Create that space and help you shine a light on those blind spots. Yeah. Because those stories, those beliefs, they are your reality. And that's what makes it often hard to see them, right? Hard to catch them. That's why coaches have coaches, right? Yeah. That's why I have several uh spaces created some paid and some in in uh, other arrangements where i say look tell me what you see right poke me with your questions mm -hmm. and, and let's see what comes up and in turn that's what i do for my clients yeah. right one-on-one -on -one as well as in the small group program the main focus of my work is the way i say it is you have all the how to if all you needed was more knowledge, well, just go spend an hour on YouTube or on Google and you're good, right? Just that that's not how it works, right? It's about taking action. And what gets in the way of taking action, sometimes, not always, is those underlying beliefs. So no matter what area in your life, I guess here's my point, no matter what area in your life, if you find yourself having a goal, an aspiration, and when you look in the mirror and you get real honest and you have to admit that the reason you're not there yet is because you didn't show up. Because right? one didn't show up. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Because you didn't show up, right? Yeah. You didn't do what you do. Yeah. Don't say you're not disciplined enough. Don't go to any of this, like maybe I lack motivation or maybe I don't know how. I would usually ask, what are you afraid of? Yeah. And now we're coming back to the spiritual aspect of this too why do i why do i talk about fears because and what's behind fear underneath every fear is a desire mm. what a desire why because if you didn't care you wouldn't feel afraid you'd just be neutral yeah. right and so what i always tell my clients no matter whether they run their own business or they're in an executive leadership position in the company is the fact that you have doubt and fear is a good sign one that this really matters to you because, right, there's a desire underneath, something you really care about. And two, it's also a good sign that you're leaving your comfort zone, right? You're doing something new, something beyond what you've done before. And this is where growth happens. Yeah. And 
if you remember my right my personal belief in what is spirituality and what is the whole purpose then you know pursuing your passion pursuing your purpose i don't think you find it i think you live into it step by step day by day and the way you do that is by pushing yeah. pushing that edge of the comfort zone right the point of solving a problem in business whether you work for yourself or for someone else is not to be finally free of problems no it's yeah. to be ready for the next bigger problem yeah right when you start growing you're already dying yeah yeah and like I, getting out of comfort zone and like you know we're talking about spirituality and like in that when we relate that to energy and the law of attraction for instance when we're into that the the vibrational state that we are in when we are not changing we can possibly attract something different in our awareness and and the possibility stays the same so like the only way to shake things up is to push ourselves and and do something different sometimes and sometimes i would say even if we are not ready to do something bold on the professional front even just like changing hobbies doing something different in our personal life just for the sake just for the sake of shaking our vibration like meeting new people doing something where where there is no stakes there is no risk no ultimate risk but that already kind of gets gets our vibration to to uh, to change a little bit and and start attracting something different and um, yeah, so I like how you're tied back, tied this back to spirituality there, Sebastian. And you said something earlier about, you know, the, the only the difference ultimately between uh, entrepreneurship and, and uh, employment is like where the paycheck uh, comes. So I think it's a great segue into like talking about like honing in onto the money aspect. Mm -hmm. uh, so like what like what are the main because money mindset is one of your okay. you know one of your topics so what's interesting to know here for um for our viewers whether right. okay well i think what the thing about money and, and money mindset is let's start with mindset the beautiful thing about mindset is that it's not actually set right oh, you can change okay. it okay yeah. and here's here's why i like my program is called Money Freedom Mindset, uh -huh. okay? But one of my participants said, you should really call it Life Freedom Mindset. I said, I know, mm -hmm. and I'm still going to keep the name, okay? Because what is, see, see, money has this thing. We all have a relationship with it. Most of us, when we start out on this journey, one that doesn't really serve us all that well, right? Because very few of us grew up with parents who, um, or oh, well, let me phrase this differently. Why, why do the rich people manage to maintain a lot of that? I think you can leave all the insidious stuff aside, but they teach their children different stories about money. Mm. And when you grow up with different stories about money, of course, money helps in making more money, yes. Mm -hmm. But you also grow up with a very different mindset, with very different stories about money. So the invitation is, Check for yourself, right? What are, I mean, some, some of the stereotypical ones are like money doesn't grow on tree, money is the root of all evil and all those sorts of things. Just check what you've heard growing up, right? What comes up. Mm -hmm. 
but this is where the rubber hit meets, like hits the road, right? How many people are actually comfortable negotiating their salary? And vice versa, I've coached coaches who've been in sales before on having the money conversation. Okay. Not because they didn't know how to sell, but because they got to the realization that, well, yeah, before I was selling someone else's product. Now I'm selling me. And somehow that's a totally different bargain. I'm like, good, because I'm not here to teach you sales. I'm here to help you with that story about yourself. Right? And if you've ever heard this phrase, like charge what you're worth, mm -hmm. whether it's for your salary or as a business owner, it makes me cringe. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it illustrates a lot of things. We attach value and often somehow our value, right? Very easily to our paycheck, to the number in the bank account, to yeah. whatever else, when there really is no connection whatsoever. Okay. Because what you get paid if, you're, if you have a job is based on the value you add to the company. What I get paid as a coach is based on the value I add for my clients. Mm -hmm. None of that has anything to do with my value as a coach or my value as a person. Okay, so when you say, when you cringe, when you hear charge what you're worth, it's like not your worth as a... No, as a and I, I, could never, I could never charge what I'm worth. Nobody yeah. would be... One, I wouldn't know what number to put on it. And two, you, nobody would have the money to actually pay that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's what we think. But all the money, all the stories we have around money often tie into what am I worth? Right. Yeah. Am I good enough? Um, is this for me? Right. It's most of us go one of two ways, depending on, on our upbringing. Either we more or less knowingly perpetuate what we've learned from our parents, yeah. or we try and we pretty much go the exact opposite. Right. So if the parents were more saving, then I might be more of a spender, right? Mm -hmm. If uh, my parents were, you know, if there never really was enough and I could never really buy the things I wanted to as a kid or often didn't get right, mm -hmm. what I wanted, then as soon as I have money, I'm more likely to just indulge. In, right? those, mm -hmm. are, those are the two kind of things. Okay. So but if you want to get to... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, what do you think is that that we can go like, it's like either one... Either we can follow the tracks or go like a 180. Well, I think quite simply because some of us choose to more or less rebel. Okay. Right. And just say, okay, so this is not what I want. And then, yeah. But, but we still, we haven't learned anything else, right? We're just saying that's not it. So you move away from something and then the, so it's <laughs> the other, yeah. the other. And the syndrome of the good girl or the rebel, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So this is what I would say. And then when it comes to money, a lot of that is not conscious, mm -hmm. which is a bit strange because it's it seems like a numbers concept and it seems right. But you have you have great books out there about why smart people make, you know, stupid money mistakes. Right. And all of those things, mm -hmm. because it's usually not about the money. It's usually about who I am. It's usually about what I'm worth. It's usually about um, the the emotional experiences I had with it. Right? Like, um, check. Is it easier for you to spend money on yourself 
or is it easier for you to spend money on gifts for others? Mm -hmm. Right? Is it, uh, what is it about the savings that you have? Right? Does that give you a sense of security? Mm -hmm. Right? What, what, right? Or, or do you only save when you have a specific sort of objective in mind? Yeah. Right? And when you look at your close, intimate relationships, often money is a touchy subject in those two, because often we're not aware of what are my subconscious stories and attachments to this concept and what are my partners. And until we actually get to that level, we can't really connect either. And for, of course, my clients who are coaches and business owners, there's another dimension that comes to it. And that is this product is something I care about, right? And in a way, most of the people I work with are driven by a mission, by a passion, by wanting to serve and help others, by creating a positive impact. And quite often that goes with, ah, so money isn't really important to me. Now, if I say money isn't really important to me, if that was true, what kind of business am I going to build? One where I don't care about money. Now, if I get lucky, money comes in anyway, right? Mm -hmm. But that's a business can only really function yeah. with money. And so one of the key things to sort out there is what is your relationship with money? And that is where in the beginning of my three-month program, we spent four weeks on diving deep into your emotional connections, the subconscious stories you carry around because you cannot change what you do not know. Yeah. And once you have an, an um, idea of what your blueprint is, we can then look at, okay, and which ones of these stories align with where you want to go and which ones don't serve you. And then there is a deep involved process in upgrading the ones that don't serve you. And when we're all done with that after the first four weeks, that's when you relook again at your goals, your yeah. vision for wealth, and you prepare a 60-day Empowered Action Playbook. And then we spend 60 days of you taking action, right? And, and, and really integrating everything. Yeah. Because again, you want to align with what you want to create, okay? Yeah. And the most important part that I found that gets in the way of that is those subconscious stories and beliefs. Yeah. So to summarize, even though like money, like the, um, what we have paid has nothing to do with our worth, this the value that we provide for a company or for a client, mm -hmm. the, the blocks that are going to get in our way of, of, of um, getting there and, and receiving that money is often related to our how we feel worthy and and all of the blocks that are around like our own sense of personal worthiness mm -hmm. and value and what we deserve etc yes okay and you can and you can put that in the context of the law of attraction right your mm -hmm. uh, your energy and your vibration and it attracts and all of that yeah but it doesn't matter whether you believe in that or not because what still remains is when I have those doubts, when I feel uncomfortable asking for those things, then that's how I show up in the salary negotiation, right? Mm -hmm. And that's already how 
And that's what, very, in a very subtle way, decides how do I even prepare that conversation, mm -hmm. right? When it's not about me anymore, but about my contribution and my value, what will I do? Well, I'll let my boss know ahead of time that I want to talk about my performance review, and I'm going to show them, this is what I've done, this is what I've done, this is what I've done, and I'm basically going to show them that I've already produced at a level that is above my current pay grade, and that will set the stage for that conversation. As long as I still believe that it's about me and about that and my value and all of that, then I also have doubts about it. And so then I'm kind of, and then I'm kind of asking, saying, I would like a raise and, you know, there's no case to be made. Yeah. Now, is that law of attraction or not? I don't care because it comes out of, right? Your subconscious beliefs drive your emotions who drive your actions and those drive your results. Mm. And in that sense, like the way you describe like the negotiation here, it's applying the good old advice as of when we are focused, uh, if frazzled, like if in doubt, focus outwards rather than focus inwards. Like, you know, in public speaking, they say that, mm -hmm. or like, you know, focus on the other person and what, uh, and stop, stop, stop navel gazing basically. Mm -hmm. so so that's that's very valuable than in a money conversation so it's not as, as long as it's all facts and what what we provide for the other person then then there should we should be a lot less self-conscious yes and now the one advantage that somebody who runs their own business has over somebody who negotiates their salary is that i negotiate my salary what once a year Mm -hmm. Whereas if I run my own business, I have the exact that exact kind of conversation, hopefully a lot more frequently, right? So that's that's the main difference. But it comes down in both cases to see when I talk to someone about coaching with mm -hmm. this conversation could go like this. Like if I sold coaching as basically a service, how would you describe it? Well, I would say, look, um, you have a goal you want to get to while well, we're going to meet three times a month for an hour. We have a conversation, your life changes and you pay me $5,000 a month for it. Any takers? Probably not. Right. Because sorry, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that is the equivalent to telling your boss, I want a 5% raise yeah. because I work here. This is what I do. And I just deserve it. Right. Yeah. Okay. What does this look like really when I do this for real with a client? Mm -hmm. At some point, yes, we talk about the investment, yeah. but that comes after we talk about what is it that you want to create? Where are you headed, right? What is your goal? What is your vision? And what really gets in the way of that? Right? What, why are you not there yet? Why do we do that? Well, one, because the most important thing I can do for you before you even pay me is help you get real about your situation. Because here's another part to accepting the status quo. We talk ourselves, in order to make this work and staying in the status quo, we have to talk ourselves into it's okay. Yeah. And as long as it's okay, you're just going to stay there. How do you get out of that? Get real about what is it costing you if you stay there. Mm -hmm. Our mind ignores the cost of the status quo because it's biased towards the status quo. So that's the most important thing that can happen there. And then you get to decide if what it's costing you and if what you have to gain is worth it to you to invest all your most valuable resources. And your most valuable resource is not money. Mm -hmm. It's your time, it's your energy, it's your attention. Because that is limited. Money, 
is not. You can create more money anytime you choose to, but creating, literally creating more time isn't going to happen. We all have 24 hours in a day, right? And so what do I do as a coach is what if you want to do in a salary negotiation, and that is talk about what, right? what do you really want? What is the value and what is that worth to you? And if compared to, if you come to me and you want to create this business and you know you can, but you're just stuck here and you can, you know, and you pay me a four-figure amount for that every month, but therefore your business grows, right? Um, well, let's, let's do the math. I had, a, you know, I had a client who had been coaching before, but hadn't been in a while. He's a business school professor. And he wanted to get back into coaching. But when we started working, he goes, you know, I think my problem is I don't have anything valuable to say anymore. I'm too old now. Now, you and I look at it as like, okay, let me get this straight. You're a professor at a business school, right? You've what coached executives before, <laughs> right? And uh, you don't have anything valuable to say. Okay, what does anybody else have, right? But it's not about ratio, right? It's about what's the story here? Once we worked through that and helped him re recognize that and upgrade that story, the next block was, I know I should be posting on LinkedIn and I know I should be connecting with people. I really hate this stuff. I said, well, who says you should be posting on it? Well, everybody says you should. And yeah, if you go out there on the internet, that's what a lot of people tell you how to build a business. So, well, how do you connect with people? Well, I prefer to have phone calls and I prefer to meet them over coffee and have lunch with them even. I'm like, well, it's your business. Why don't you? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. So he did. And out of some of those conversations, he talked to a friend of his who had a friend in HR over at a larger corporation. Long story short, they were looking for someone to help with their executive leadership team. Within two months, he signed a six-figure contract. Yeah. Right? I didn't do that for him. I just helped him remove what got in the way of doing what he already knew he could, or at least a part of him knew he could. Mm -hmm. And to me, that is the value of coaching, of mentoring, yeah. right? Now, if you have a certain mindset, you will go uh, and look at it as a cost, as uh, whew, that expense, that's expensive. I don't argue my price with anyone. I just say, well, maybe. But the question is not really, what does it cost? The question is, what is it worth to you yeah. to get where you want to go? And how, how much would it cost not to? And, yeah. and I love your story with this man who, and how you allowed him to find the way to do business the way that looked like him. That was, because uh, mm -hmm. true, like, we're trying to fit ourselves so like we are we are trying to escape the box possibly of the corporate or like the, the job and then right now we put ourselves we plug ourselves into another box trying to run a business oh yeah but everybody says it should be done this way or this way and like allowing to do it the way i see it through you know along my favorite lens of you know soul alignment is like mm -hmm. in a way that aligned with the soul like you know so like if trying forcing ourselves to do it in a way that is counter to our own nature i don't see how that's possibly yielding results so i love that you're providing that freedom 
for your clients to do it in a way that resonates and that that brings freedom to to their soul expression um and and so i, ha I would have like one question about for people who are possibly in that questioning of like they're like you know in uh, in a job and they're wondering if uh self-employment is something that is uh, that would be a good fit for them would you have some advice on that how to how to be sure if there is even such a thing hmm. how to be sure I guess I guess I would I guess I would ask this question well if you're already thinking about it mm -hmm. right what does that tell you okay and then I would probably I would probably advise to create a space where you stop thinking and you really just feel your way into this and if you're excited about that idea scary excited is okay mm -hmm. right Remember, behind every fear is a desire, right? So if it if it doesn't excite you and at the same time scare you, I would say something is off, right? Sorry, say that again. If it excites you, but... if But it doesn't scare you, then okay. I would say something is off. Okay. Okay? So the fact that you're afraid of it just proves that there's something there for you, mm -hmm. okay? At the same time now, the question becomes, how do you deal with that fear and how do you deal with the unknown? And I would say there's, well, essentially, I, I was going to say two, but I guess there's three kinds of people, right? There's the one type who just leaves it because it's just not, right? And then they stay where it is. Yeah. And if that's you, that's fine. Then just make your peace with the fact that you've decided that path is not for me, mm -hmm. right? Stop second guessing yourself. Stop judging yourself for it. It's not for everyone. And if you know that it's sort of exciting, yeah, but it's really genuinely no it's not for me make your peace with it and go back to focusing everything on how do i live my purpose you know working for someone else yeah. nothing wrong with it now if you say no th there really is something here for me and i want to give this a go then i think you have essentially overly simplifying this two ways to do it one is to say almost no matter what it is that you're thinking about you can probably start it on the side Mm. start building you know start creating content start having conversations i mean if i mean coaching is an obvious one if you wanted to start coaching you well, start coaching people it's like well i can't have a second job well then coach them for free right i mean this is what i'm showing you is what you're going to encounter is all kinds of resistance all kinds of reasons why this doesn't work which takes you back to i'll just put it out there give me a call we got to work through your doubts and fears right <laughs> because it looks like good reasons but really not but if you know that on your risk tolerance side, you're not one to burn all the bridges, well then do it on the side. It creates its own challenges, yeah. time management and all that, and it can be done. If on the other hand, you know that you're just gonna distract yourself if you keep your job and you know it's time and it's done and you have the financial means right, to do that. The one thing I would say, keep in mind is some people get it done faster, but a good rule of thumb is that it takes around three years or so yeah. before you have it right built up. So make sure you have that ramp mm -hmm. and you can and you can cover that and then go do it. 
Now, you will be tempted to look into a lot of how-to, right? All the things you need to know. And a lot of that you do need to know. But if you want to speed up the learning curve, I personally would invest in mindset and mental yeah. skills coaching, maybe even before you start, or at least right from the beginning. And right then you're still naive, hopefully enough, yeah. right, to think that you don't know it, because otherwise you're not going to get on this journey. And I really firmly believe that it will speed up mm -hmm. your development and your learning curve. Yeah. But whether you do that with me or with a coach or with a mentor or whatever else, surround yourself with people who think like that, yeah. who build their own business or who are in the process of, because we can't help but be influenced by the people we spend a lot of time with. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that might be the other way to go get started. And that is put yourself out there, have those conversations um expose yourself mm -hmm. to yeah. business owners to potential customers to potential clients have those conversations yeah and i like what you say about uh in managing our, our mindset like we are we are the sh especially as self-employed entrepreneurs like you're gonna be the sharpest you get to be the sharpest tool in your toolbox well, it's the same for, for every one of us, though. Mm -hmm. What is your most important asset? Yeah. Right? It's your mind. It's your health. Yeah. Yeah. Take care of it. And, um, uh, well, and at the same time, know that we're all, at one level or another, procrastinators. Mm. Right? Yeah. And so... If you don't want to, maybe this is a good segue into so yeah. in the happiness and invitation. If you, you know, if you say, well, I don't know about this and I want to go give this a try, whatever else, there's a lot of resources out there. Yeah. And most coaches also will offer various different, you know, workshops and seminars for free. Why? Because coaching is something that if you haven't done it before, you probably want to experience right, to really get a feel for it. And there's a component of, even when I commit to coaching, there's still a component of who's the right coach for me, Yeah. right? Do I connect with this person? Do I resonate? Now, one of the things that I offer is free workshops mm -hmm. like that. And there is one coming up in, in early May that is on how to take action even when you don't feel like it, Yeah. right? And that will go a lot deeper into giving you quick hacks to do in the moment, right? When you don't have time to do the deep work, like what can I do right then and there to take action anywhere? And it will also, our conversation was, you know, me sharing a lot of things. The workshop will be a lot more hands-on and walking everyone through really reflecting and exploring what are the stories, what are the doubts that are getting in your way of taking action consistently. Yeah. And even if you then decide not to, you know, enroll in the program or continue coaching with me, if you come show up and play full out, that's what you're going to leave with. And that insight gives you the starting point for getting real honest with yourself and for deciding how you want to go about changing that. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, and to be clear as well, like these are open, it's not just for coaches, it's like it's of benefit to everyone. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I do those workshops on, on various in various different groups and communities and on platforms. And yeah. I do that because, so you asked earlier, right, what's the common denominator? And to me, the common denominator is we all have stories. Mm -hmm. it's, it's how we process the world. And some of those stories are aligned with where we want to go. And some of those stories are not aligned anymore with where we want to go. And the key to creating different results is to create a different story. Yeah. Awesome, Sebastian. So you have that workshop coming up soon. And we'll share we, the link. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'll link up, you know, I'll, I'll share all of the information about that. Uh, later down the line, you have your program uh, more specifically about money, money mm -hmm. mindset, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. and, and everyone, so, I'll make sure that you know the, everything is shared so that people are aware. Mm -hmm. And so before we before finishing, is there anything that I haven't asked you as a that I should have or uh, any last word of advice for um, for our audience that you'd like to share? Hmm. We've touched on a lot of things. I think maybe for me to wrap this up is. Is an invitation or maybe for some of you a bit of a challenge as well yeah. and that is we started from what is spirituality and for me this is all about our interconnectedness right and our purpose yeah and no matter where you're at to me that process is never done as long as we're in this iteration of right, living, living right here. And so the fact that you're listening to a conversation like this, right, is, is evidence that you do challenge yourself. You're looking for input. You, you want to keep growing. And maybe the next step for you in that is there's a difference between in my own journey when I reflect on it. For years, I had been consuming input, consuming self-development, literature, trainings, and all of that. And it was only after that moment that I described very early on, on that living room floor crying, that I made the decision, I want to do this for other people, mm -hmm. that I shifted from consuming mm -hmm. to actually engaging, to actually doing personal development work. If you took insight from this, that's great. But I don't work for insight. I work for impact. And that comes, right? That second part of that is act. Mm -hmm. And you don't do that when you listen, when you read, when you, right? That's still safe. So I guess my challenge or invitation is look for what's the next level of development where you can really put yourself in an environment where you are encouraged or forced depending on what you need yeah to take action right to do the work and the way i put it to come and play because really what's the point of growing a business what's the point of having a career heck what's the point of having kids yeah if not to play to have fun and to enjoy this life 
that, I mean, whatever you believe that you're living right now. Right? So that would be my invitation, my challenge to you, and that is to just consume it, yeah. play for that. Yeah, consume, then create. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Sebastian. So on these words, uh, what what are you going to take action on? Just go and do it. <laughs> that would Perfect. be awesome. And if, yeah, and if you want to do me a favor, uh, send me a message, share with me what have you taken from this and what have you done with it? Oh, that'd right. be awesome. Yes, we want to know. <laughs> awesome. thank, you thank you so, so much, much for having me julie thank you sebastian that was awesome thank you thank you thank you everyone i'll see you on the next conversation bye